Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at SilverBirchRanch.org, and I'm with Sass. We've done a few programs together. Sass is one who originally was born in Russia, was adopted here in the United States of America, and ended up here at the Nicolay Bible Institute, where he's taken a year to learn God's Word and to learn to uh, serve God and, and understand ministry a little bit. So we're excited to have him here. And we also invite you, if you know some young person who is out of high school, and Sass is actually out of high school, and he went to the military for a little bit, and now he's at Nicolay Bible Institute. So really, we've had students all the way up to probably 30 years old come in and be a part of what we do because it's a life skill thing we're working at. And the life skill is not just hearing about God's Word, but learning to serve and use, learning God's Word to apply to your life. And that's a really important part of what we do. And it's not only applying to your life. <clears throat> what I notice is that throughout the series that you really look back on how God really plays a ma- played a major role in your life and where you are now. Right. And that's a cool thing that I loved about Nick Lane. That's why I highly recommend people, just high school or even anyone that's considering ministry, to go through this program because it allows you to really look back and see whether if ministry or whether the career you really want is what God wants. Yeah. No matter what in life, you should be loving God. Amen. You should be walking with him, and you should be somebody who wants to share who he is with others. Yeah. So. You know, you want to go somewhere where you learn those things, regardless of the profession you end up being a part of. Yeah. And uh, again, some come to us and say, my whole intention, some ladies come and say, my whole intention is to be a mom. And I say, good for you. That yep. works too. Yep. Uh, because either way, you need to know God and walk with him. One of the greatest things that's missing in our culture today, and we were talking about this in the last Younger Older, is the hopelessness that people have in the purpose listness of their life and I was suggesting and I still do that the reason you're purposeless if you are is because you're not looking at the truth the truth is God does love you he created you he wants to be a part of your life he has a plan for you but if you ignore God you'll never figure that out no matter what mm-hmm. so then you're going to feel purposeless because really you are because the only way you can find purpose is with God mm-hmm. and you say oh did you just call me purposeless Yes, I did, if you're ignoring God. Yeah. But that's your choice. Yep. It's kind of like this, the illustration, again, unfortunately, I use in class all the time, is you go beat your head on a rock, you get a headache. You can come to me all you want as you're beating your head on a rock and come back to me and say, how do I stop the head from hurting? Mm-hmm. And I would tell you, don't beat your head on a rock. Dave, I want another answer. I want to be able to beat my head on a rock and still feel good about it. Yeah. Now, how does that, does that make sense to you, Sass? No, that's, that's no, that doesn't make sense whatsoever. So as an older guy, if you came to me and said, my life is purposeless, I, I have no real plan, I, I feel worthless, and then again, my question to you would be, well, do you know God? Mm-hmm. And you say, no, and I don't want to, so don't push that down my throat. I'd say, okay, well, then you're going to stay the way you are. Yeah. Because I can't help you at this point. Yeah. Because the fruit of ignoring God is a fruitless, imagineless, a life that doesn't work. Yeah. And so I can offer you a life that works, but it starts with God. It ends with God, by the way. Yep. Both of, you know, that's what it is. And your whole life you get to know him and you get to trust him. Yep. So the, John three sixteen is a verse that, that is clear to everybody. It says, for God so loves the world. He did what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
God says, you know, I want to give you a gift. You were adopted, right, Sus? Yes, I was. Now, when you were adopted, were you adopted because you uh, paid your way to get adopted? Um, no, it was actually more of a rescue mission. There you go. Yeah. And that's how it always is. Yeah. Because children who are adopted, their only requirement for being adopted, their only requirement is that they're needy. They can't help themselves. Yeah. Think about that. That's what makes you adoptable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because of our neediness. That's right. Of a family. Well, a matter of fact, if I may go back on John 3.16. Sure. Um, on my podcast yesterday, I also referenced on John uh, 3.16 as well, talking the importance of it and how that's like, that should be our basic fundamentals. And if we do not really know the basics of it, then, you know, we're, then we're kind of really lost in, with, like, with our relationship with God. And that's why I think it's important that, you know, I, I said, um, we're on a five day, we're on a five day lesson um, of getting to know the basics of getting to know God. And so what do you think about this idea? What, so I kind of thought about this. Uh, memorizing Bible verses. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to me, because I stated, I'm like, you know what, through these five days, I want the listeners, if they're uh, for this challenge, to memorize a Bible verse, for to pick, pick out a Bible verse that uh, impacted their life and to use that as their goal. For instance, mine is Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father's merciful. What do you think the importance of memorizing Bible verses that's your Bible verse. What you do you know, think the importance of it is? You know, first of all, the Bible makes it very clear that the reason you can live the way you should is because you, you hide God's word in your heart yep. so that you don't sin against God. So when you need to know the truth or you can't listen to the truth. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing in life is to know God and to know the truth. Yep. Once you know the truth, you're not going to be subject to Satan's lies. See, that's how that works. Yeah. And that's why the truth sets you free. But there are times in life, I promise you, there will be times in life where you don't feel like looking up something in the Bible. Yeah. Now, here's some habits I've developed through the years. As an old guy, I'm telling you, these are habits you should have. Yeah, not because I do them and I'm right, but because they actually make sense and they work. Number one is I want to read the Bible through cover to cover every year. Every year, I want to read it through so I know what it says. So now I've, I've read the Bible probably over 35 times now. Ever since I made that commitment, I've read through every year at least once and maybe more than that. And you might say, well, Dave, you know, that's a big book. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. I tell you, though, I, I used to be a fifth grade teacher. And if you would read at a fifth grade level and you read aloud at a fifth grade level and you read every day, you'd only have to read 15 minutes a day to get that Bible read in a year. <laughs> yeah. So, don't, you know, it's not about you being able to read and, and, and understand. You might say, well, the Bible is hard to understand. There's a lot of translations. Find one that makes sense. Yep. You can use the New Living Translation. You can use the ESV. You can use the NIV. You can use the King James if that's what you prefer. Yep. What, whatever you want to read. I, I, I'm often asked what translation is best, and it's like, which one will you read? Yeah. The best translation is when you read, but you need to read it. Yeah. Get get yourself familiar with the Bible. Get yourself familiar with what God's Word says. And then, and then there are passages. Now, I don't know if you were, you had some uh, battles with some disease and things, but I don't know if you were in class when we talked about trickle charge and the importance of verses that you can go over in your mind over and over and over again like a trickle charge in a battery. Let me, let me review it quickly. Okay. But basically, years ago, uh, we used to have this old boat. A guy got rid of it. He didn't want it anymore. He gave it to me. And 
and I was teaching my kids how to water ski behind it. But I'm very grateful for it, but it was an old boat. Yep. And, and it, it seemed to sink if I left it out too long. And so I would have to put it into shallower water and bail it out before I would get into it. Yeah. And, and the battery seemed to never work, uh, that kind of thing. And anyone that knows a boat knows, okay, yeah, that's, that's a problem with boats. They always need help. And yeah. so I would go down there. I would go down to the lakeside, and I would, my kids, you know, I'd take an hour off of camp or something in the middle of the summer. I'd take an hour in the middle of the day. And I'd say, meet me down there. I'll take you skiing. So I'd get down there, put the key in, and the, the engine would go, the battery didn't work. Yeah. So I would say, okay, wait here, girls. And I would go take the battery up to our auto shop. We have this massive charger up there. I put it down there and say, hurry up and charge this thing. And and I would wait a few minutes. I go down and start it. I would do that a few times. And and as I did that, you know, every day I would do that actually. Yep. Um, and so then finally one day I'm in the, the shop and I'm I'm in my swimsuit. I'm waiting for it to charge up. And our mechanic walks by and he turns it down to trickle charge. Now on a charger, battery charger, there's different levels. And he turns it way down to the lowest one. And I look at him and go, what are you doing? I need this battery to work. He goes, if you do that, you'll be here every day. I'm thinking, yeah, so I am every, I am here every day. <laughs> yeah. I said, explain it to me. He said, well, what happens in a battery, if you want it to last, if you want it to have a charge that'll last all summer, you put it on a trickle charge, very little ampage. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, it'll hold the charge all summer. If you do it where you use high amperage, if I'm even using the word right, then then it'll it'll charge it once, it'll drain it the minute you do it, and you're done. Mm -hmm. So no, of course I knew that, I didn't know that. Yeah. So then after I was done that day, I brought it up and I let it trickle charge overnight, and you know I didn't have to do it the rest of the summer because that's how it works. Yeah. yeah. Now our spiritual lives are the same way. A lot of people need that. They, you know, their lives are a little bit of a mess, so they go for the supercharge. Yep. And they're trying to, like, they'll go to a meeting, and they'll say, you know, I need to hear the right message. I need to hear the right song. I, so they wait for a retreat weekend or summer camp or something, mm -hmm. and they get all charged up from this. And again, there's nothing wrong with getting charged up. or having, That's not a problem. The problem is they don't have a trickle charge in their life. In other words, the truth that's coming in slowly on a regular basis. Yep. So I encouraged you as students to make sure you had lists of verses, verses you memorize or verses that, that are verses that you read every day, that, that keep trickling into your brain. And as you do that, in fact, the challenge was very simple. As you read through the Bible, you write down verses on a piece of paper or now however electronically you do it. And, and so you have this list that eventually you call trickle charge verses. Mm -hmm. And my list, I would look at that list every day when I started and read those verses over and over and over again. Yeah. It's amazing how God used those verses in my life. Then it got too big. There were too many verses. Yep. So then I divided into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And eventually I had to divide it into you know, more and more and more. But the fun part was it was God's word going into my mind. Mm -hmm. Now, when, I, when my dad died many years ago, that for me was the... Biggest tragedy a son could go through. Yep. Honestly, I felt alone. I felt my dad trusted God, but I trusted that he was trusting God. Yeah. And and all kinds of problems. And I didn't I didn't even want to go see his body in the casket. The family sees that first. Yep. I didn't want to see it. Yeah. My brother finally forced me. He was my older brother. 
yep. to go in and see the body. However, while I was in front of my dad, Bible verses started flooding through my brain. I realized he's not there. Mm-hmm. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Yep. All these verses start flooding in my head. Even though I didn't have the strength to pick up a Bible and read it because I had memorized verses ahead of time, mm-hmm. God brought those to memory when I needed them. Yep. And that's the value. We, we need to put truth in our head, not lies. Yeah. And with all the social media and all the stuff we're watching, we keep lies abundantly flying through our heads. Yeah. No, you need truth in your head, and a good way to do it is memorize the Bible. Yeah. And so <clears throat> to, piggy, to piggyback off of that, what is, so what is your favorite Bible verse, and how does it correlate to your life? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And why is it, and how does it correlate with because your life? Because it, it exactly gives me marching orders for today. Mm. It says, you know, therefore, because you have the hope in Jesus Christ, not in day wager, not in money, not in because you have your hope, in, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast. In other words, don't go out of what you know is right. Mm-hmm. If you know what's right, do what's right. Be steadfast. And the next one is common. It, it reinforces it. Immovable. Mm-hmm. The next one, always. Now, those are three words that are pretty powerful. Yep. Now, you know me. You've been here. That's what I do. It's, yep. it's be steadfast, immovable, always. Always abounding the work of the Lord. Always do, because you know that your labor in the Lord isn't in vain. Yeah, you know that. If I if I go out and I love God and I bring you a cup of water, in the name of God, I haven't wasted my time. Yeah, I don't have to know the results. You know, so it, it's a very simple verse. It was my dad's life verse, and as I grew up, I said, "Boy, that makes a whole lot of sense to me." Yeah, you know. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because mm-hmm. you know your labor's not in vain in the Lord. That that means that I do have other labor that could be in vain. Mm-hmm. Wasn't done in the Lord, so yeah. it's a waste of time. It'll all burn one day, whatever that is. Uh, but <laughs> but not not the stuff I do because I love God. Yeah. And that's critical for us to grab. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So what ver- explain me your verse. What verse is it? So for mine? Yeah. Oh, it would be Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful just as, just as your father is merciful. Okay. So here's why this, and I spoke, I, I kind of spoke, I, sorry, I can't get my words right. That's right. Um, I spoke about this quite a bit last night on my podcast. I said, the reason why Luke chapter 6, verse 36 is my life verse is because no matter how many times I made mistakes and stuff, as a loving father, he shows mercy and compassion for those, even when we don't deserve it. And this kind of correlates with my life decisions. You know, for instance, when when I joined the Army Reserves a debt program, I, I put, you know, I, I put something on my parents' uh, kitchen, or kitchen counter saying, hey, welcome. You are a proud parent of a future soldier, you know, instead yep. of an airman. But seeing the reaction changed my life because I knew I'd messed up because I was rebellion. And I think we all go through those stages. But this one was a little bit different. Um, and so that's when I kind of realized where God was stating, okay, you know what? Maybe you didn't mess up on it, but your parents still love you. And it took me being in the hospital. It took me, 
in the hospital, it took me to the lowest point of my life to realize that my parents still showed mercy and God still showed me mercy anyway I didn't deserve to. You know, for instance, when I was at um, overseas and I wanted to like start, at, I wanted to be involved in Iwana. And so then I would, you know, I would contact somebody from DC and I'd say, hey, can you get me on a board of directors and at our base? And like, oh, absolutely, because I didn't want to go through that process. I didn't want to wait. And so it, I had more of a selfish attitude and because I knew I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to follow God, but it was not a godly way to do it. It was more of a tantrum attitude. So, you know, I could, and it was kind of, it was more of a sad way of thinking. I was thinking, okay, God, you know, you're going to be merciful when I want you to be merciful. You know, you when I expect to be in trouble, I want you to be there. I want you to show mercy, just like, for example, judge, you know, and, but, he could have t easily taken my life when I was in the hospital because the doctor has actually said I should have died from what I had because I retained over 1.5 milliliters of urine and that, to that toxic all went up to the brain and the heart and that should have killed me. But the doctor said, no, you are, we don't know exactly what happened, but your kidneys started functioning. And I said, no, that's, that's God that allowed that. And that's yeah. God showing me mercy. Yeah. That's where that life first came in. You know, it's interesting. Isn't it sad? It, it, yeah. Well, one of the things I find is even young people grow up in the church. They don't seem to be amazed by God. No. And normally I'll come to them and say, well, it's because you've never been really convinced about your sin. Yeah. Because if you understood what your sin has done to you and you understand the mercy of God, you're amazed by him. Yeah. And, and if you've never really understood how depraved you are, and I know in our culture, they'll look at me and say, you call me depraved? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every human being is sinful and separated from God and depraved. And the fact that God will not give me what I deserve is mercy. Yeah. And I deserve punishment. I deserve hell. I deserve to be separated from him forever. Mm. And it's not happening yeah. because of his mercy. And, and, you know, even you, as you are a young man and you don't have any family, you don't have any hope for the future as far as that goes because you don't have a family. You don't have someone that's saying, I'm going to watch over you at yeah. this point. Yeah. Everyone that was watching over you to a certain point was forced to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. but to have somebody come into your life and say, I'll take care of you. You go, well, I don't deserve that. No, you don't. So the rest of your life, whoever did that is somebody in your life that you look at and go, wow, that was nice. Yeah. That, you know, you didn't have to do that. You used your resources, your time, your effort. You did that for me, not for you. Yeah. And, and bottom line then down the road, there, there's a different idea than of grace. Yeah. Grace is actually getting more than you deserve. So it'd be like this. It'd be like if, if I was at a restaurant somewhere and you walked in and you punched me in the nose while I'm sitting at a table. And everybody in the restaurant saw it. The waitress was giving me food right then. She saw it. And it's like, you punch me in the nose, knock me out, I'm on the floor. Yeah. And I think, okay. So I get up eventually. Get, you know, they throw water on me or whatever, and I get up. And, I, and, and of course, the, the waitress looks at me and says, should we call the police now? This guy locked up for life. Yeah. And, and I said, no, no, I, I don't want him to get what he deserves. See, that's mercy. Yeah. Then I turn to you and I say, here's 100 bucks, Sass. Go out and have a great dinner with somebody that you really care about. That's grace. Yeah. See, what I just did is give you more than you deserve. Yeah. I, not only did I not give you what you did deserve, but then I turned around and gave you more. And once you realize that that's how God works, 
Uh, one of the key verses, again, you're talking about verse memory. One of the key verses to memorize is Ephesians to, uh, um, uh, Titus 2, 11 through 13. And, and it says, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not, no, that's not it. That's Titus 2. I'm quoting the first verse. Um, uh, Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Mm -hmm. But listen to the next phrase in that. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us. That grace teaches us what? To live godly lives. Yeah. That, so the grace of God that brings salvation is appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, godly, and righteously. In this. So what you see is you look at that verse and go, wait a minute, grace teaches me that? Yeah. Yeah, grace doesn't teach you to be an idiot. Yeah. It teaches you to do what's right. Yeah. And most people think, well, grace means I'm always forgiven for doing what's wrong. Yeah. No, that's mercy. So grace is different. So <clears throat> so that whole like Luke chapter. So when I was like in the hospital and stuff, would you say that was more grace or would you also say that's more mercy? Both. You well, didn't get what you deserve, but you also get a whole lot more than you deserve. See, as as a yeah. as a child of God, I can promise you this, I will never get what I deserve yeah. because I'm a child of God and it's dependent upon God, not me. Yeah. So since it's dependent upon God and not me, and he's already declared, in fact, he has told me throughout the Bible in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God says, you know what, Dave? Nothing's going to ever be able to separate you from me. Mm -hmm. That's the way life is. Yeah. And I'm the one that guarantees that, not you. Yeah. Okay, God, well, then your guarantee's right. Right, Dave. Now, what if I fail, God? Who guaranteed this, Dave, you or me? Yeah. Well, you did, God. My guarantee's right. Remember I said, in, in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall what? Shall have eternal life. Yep. Yeah, they they won't perish. And then John 10, 28, 29, here I am quoting verses to you again, because you're talking about quoting verses. Mm -hmm. And where it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Okay, that's God saying that. That's mercy. If you've actually got to the point in life where you've understood your sinful condition, you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's Jesus who guarantees your future, not you. Yeah. Now, you may say, well, what if I fail down the road? You, you're like everyone else then. You didn't earn this in the first place. Yeah. You, you didn't earn it. You're not going to lose it. I mean, if you earned it, then you could lose it. Yeah. But you didn't earn it. You got given the status by God because you accepted the fact that you're sinful, separated from him, put your trust in Christ. That's the deal. Yeah. So that's what we have to focus on. And that's then the grace. So now I get to talk to you and say, you know what, son? I'm a child of the king. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to act like it. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you think God loves you? Yes. Then act like it. That's grace. That's not mercy. That's grace. Yeah. I'm saying, okay, then act in accordance with who you are. Yeah. 
and you're a child of the king. Does God care about you even when you're sick? Yes. Act like it. Does God care about you if you're poor? Yes. Act like it. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's really funny how many people you get to talk to. And normally, you know, I talk to you longer in this podcast than I would if you asked me another question because normally I'll answer your question with a very short comment. Yeah. The reason is, is because they're usually appropriate short answers. Yeah. So if you came to me and said, you know, I'm depressed and this and this, and then, and then I ask you, do you think God loves you? And you tell me yes. I'm really done after my next phrase because then I'll say, well, then act like it and I'll walk away. Yeah. And and really, for me, that that does more to help you go and think than me giving you 18 points from the Bible that you need to think about at that point. Yeah. Because honestly, the way that you might be acting, you're not acting like God loves you. So how do you say you actually think he loves you? Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah. So what are you thinking? Well, <clears throat> I think, you know, it kind of it kind of correlates with, you know, with the suicide prevention program I started. You know, I founded. Uh, now it's picked up and I'm no longer in there. But, you know, <clears throat> because even... As I walked, you know, as I did this, as I'm doing this whole ministry and this whole podcasting, what I'm finding now is that so many people, now, so many people come up to you and ask you, you know, ask me, um, this this question is kind of pondering um, as we conclude. Now, if I were a Christian, do I still go to heaven even if I commit suicide? That's a big question that I was asked actually last night by one of my viewers. Do you, uh, do you go to heaven because you didn't commit suicide? No, do you go heaven? I know. Oh, it's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> here's why do you go to heaven? Because we are we have salvation and trust in, in knowing God in Jesus Christ. But, Not because you don't commit suicide. Do, do can murderers go to heaven? Yes, because one of them went okay. on the cross. Can, can thieves go to heaven? Yes. Can bums go to heaven? <laughs> yeah, yes. Can Russians go to heaven? Uh Yes, except when yeah, that, can can Ukrainians go to heaven? Yes, you know, it, it doesn't have to do with what you do. You know what? People who commit suicide, there's an issue. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It could be that they 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 could have a something wired wrong. They could just not understand something at the moment. You know, some people do it while they're drunk. Yeah. You know, the bottom line really is: look, suicide is a sin like anything else. It's something that somebody does that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Because life is sacred. Yeah. However, you're not a believer because of the fact that you don't commit suicide or not. That's not on the plate. Yeah. So that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. It has to do with where did you ever get to that point in life where you put your trust in Christ? Did you understand that it's all about him? Well, then if it really is all about him, then there's nothing you're going to do to destroy it. Yeah including suicide, including being a jerk at times, including doing things you shouldn't do. Yeah. Once again, you go back and look at mercy. You go back and look at the idea of grace. And once you comprehend that, that's why you praise God, because it really is all about him and not you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All, all, right. Right. all right. Thank you for listening. This is Younger Older again. And you've been listening to Dave and Sass. We're here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch, which is really on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. We invite you to go check both those places out, silverbirchranch.org or nicoletbibleinstitute.org. N-I-C-O-L-E-T is Nicolet. It's a French name named after the forest that's around us. So silverbirchranch.org, nicoletbibleinstitute.org. I hope to see you up here. They allow us to serve you someday.
I'm Dave Wager, and for myself and Sass and the crew here at Silver Birch Ranch, goodbye for now.